everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall here on WEHC 90.7 and WISEFMY's 90.5. We are excited to have actually two guests on the Duck Pond Wall today. I want to thank Daniel Shue and Monica Halsey Shue for being with me today. Thanks for having us. Well, sure. Now, Monica, you finished at Emory & Henry in 2007, right? 2007 and then again in 2011. Oh, you got your master's. Yes. I was the first um, class, I was part of the first class of the um, Masters of Community Organization and Leadership. I forgot that. Oh, that's wicked cool. Good for you. And Daniel, I, you know, we were just running through his litany of family members. He, I forget that Daniel didn't go to Emory and Henry, but he has enough family members that you, you're honorary at this point. That's right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You've got some neat projects going and I want folks to know about it, especially since it sounds like there's some place I might want to come spend the night, maybe. But um, first off, let's talk about what you've been doing. Um, but Monica, you did you did your master's. So what were you? What was your undergrad degree in? Um, my bachelor's degree is in biology, which I like to joke around and say that the pandemic allowed me to use my biology degree degree to um, prevent my family from having COVID. So <laughs> did that work? We have yet to get it. We have yet to get get it. Everybody knock on something right now. (laughs) Just knock on something right now. That is crazy. Well, what's your secret? I just, I kind of look back to um, all the microbiology classes I had with Dr. Tapner when she was Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And, you know, kind of ask, what would Dr. Tapner do in this situation? (laughs) And go from there. And it's, it's paid off. I'm wondering, do you have a bracelet that says WW Tapner do? What would, do you have one of those? That would be a cool thing to have. What, what did you do right after college, Monica? Um, so when I graduated first with my bachelor's degree, I worked in public health for five years. Um, first, just as a, a front desk a clerk, and then back with the WIC program, um, the Women, Infants, and Children program. And then while I was doing that, um, a good friend, Dr. Roper, um, said, hey, there's this new master's program that I think you would like to be a part of. Check it out. I did. I joined, graduated from it. And that kind of influenced how we have our business set up today, you know, ma- making a, a good place for, for people to live, you know, being very, being very relationship based with our tenants and our guests that we welcome into Bristol. And just being kind of mindful of how you do things and how you treat your, you know, treat your community, give back to your community, um, sell property in a community, you know, just things like that. <laughs> well, I love that. I think that's, that's, it's thoughtful that you're so intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That's a good segue to what you're doing now, but I feel like, I feel like I've been mean to Daniel because I've not let him say anything. So <laughs> would you go to, did you go to college? Hey, that That's a trick question. My quick college story started in uh, 1998 during the, after the Columbine shooting, my mother looked at me and said, okay, you're out. And so she enrolled me into a private Christian academy in California oh. that I could do correspondent. So I finished that up. I had planned on going to VCU. I established my own internship with Charles Ness and worked with him for a while. And that was fun. Yeah. So um, just before I was, you know, going to attempt that, my sister had a building that was empty and we kind of worked out a deal. And so 
before I went to college, I decided to give my own business a shot and it grew and grew and grew. And I didn't start college again until after we were married and um, got into business law and just had enough to learn quite a bit and then dropped out again. And I closed my business I had in Abingdon. I dealt in, it was an antiques mall. So I rented spaces to people and sold their stuff and sort of brokered their things and and learned a lot that way. So we laugh and say that, you know, she has the book education and I've got like the hard knock and the two of us make this killer team. Closed that store, actually sold it. It became Wolfhills Antiques, which is still there. Great shop downtown. I took on a job for a while at Home Depot. And while I was there on my lunch breaks, I took real estate school and nice. got my real estate license nine years ago, actually. And that went well. And that also helped fuel our ability to, you know, know the housing market and know its needs. No yeah. good ways to buy property. And I think you're right. Y'all are a great team together. So that's fantastic. Well, let's jump into the real estate stuff because I feel like you two are like the property tycoons of Bristol now. And um, I left Wells Fargo at Vi- Wells Fargo Advisors in May of this year, um, just simply because we were just getting we just expanded so much and we were just getting busier and busier, and it was hard to segregate working for Wells Fargo and working for Shoe Properties. So I took on um, the president treasurer role of Shoe Properties full-time. We basically um, developed the LLC. We have 17 rental properties right now. And then we currently have two short-term rentals, which are Airbnbs, vacation rentals. Um, We have one in a suite in our 1904 Victorian that we live in. So we welcome guests into our home. And then we just opened Pleasant Hill, which is going to be a little bit higher end vacation rental from what's in Bristol currently. And we just got inspired by trips to Charleston, South Carolina, and looking for places like Pleasant Hill for us to stay in while we were going on vacation. Yeah. And very hard to find. And we've just, both of us have always imagined what would it be like to live in a museum or stay in a museum overnight. And here we are. So many historic houses. We we would see his historic house, you know, 1850, even apparently one of Jane Austen's homes. Yeah. uh, You know, you you would expect something different and you look and it's very modern furniture and gray walls and white trim. And we were like, okay, we've got to do, we've got to do something no one else does Mm -hmm. and have a historic home that looks like a historic Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that's Pleasant Hill. Tell me, tell me where it is, and and tell me what's the name Pleasant Hill. What's its what's the history of this this home? So Pleasant Hill, uh, the original Pleasant Hill is in Scott County, and that's where the builder Captain James Wood was from, and he built this house in 1872. It was the first house on Johnson Street on Solar Hill, yeah, and is among the four oldest standing houses in Bristol, Virginia. Bud Phillips, nobody probably has any idea who that is. I know who Bud Phillips is. He was Mr. Bristol history. That's right. Total sarcasm. Sorry. (laughs) Bud Phillips uh, bought this house, I believe, in 1985 and lived here up until his death in 2017. He did a lot of restoration work and preservation. A lot of these houses on Solar Hill were apartment buildings in the 70s Mm -hmm. and 80s. 80s. There's one neighbor here that says that there was actually a chain link fence dividing her hallway from the apartments when uh, an old timer told her about when he lived up here in the 70s. So we think this house at one time was probably an apartment building and Bud did a lot of work. 
it sold after his death to uh, two ladies. One lives here on Solar Hill and one uh, lives over on Lawrence and part-time in Florida. And they bought it just to keep it from being in, converted into apartments before the, the zoning changed, which it has now. So they kept it and sort of just, you know, it, they decorated a little bit and preserved things. And then they came to us and said, we like what you're doing. And of course, I was elated. This house reminds so much of Field Pen House in Abingdon. And that was a place that I frequented as a teen and just loved that museum atmosphere. And yeah. so it, it decided, I said, Monica, this is going to be my play project. And then she tagged along and said, oh, I want to do this too. <laughs> so plus, it's, and this is the one that has just opened. Is this, um, yes. it's, I loved your, your post, Daniel, that had you standing in the middle of this gorgeous home saying that you could check off that you'd finally opened a historic, <laughs> historic inn. So is it an Airbnb? It's on Airbnb, um, Verbo, and it soon will be on booking.com. Um, we're also working to join um, the Stay Virginia Association. Um, we're not technically a bed and breakfast, but they've, um, they've taken an interest in us anyway. So we're working on that. Because um, you have that bed and breakfast feel, um, yeah. you know, it's elegantly decorated. It's, mm -hmm. it's very period. It's mm -hmm. like when you come through the door, it looks like you're in the year 1873, which mm -hmm. is when the family moved in. And there's older pieces and then there's pieces that date to 1873. All the china, everything that's in here can be used when you stay here. Wow. So we, and we do have a, on site a caterer that can, cater meals here and and serve you and and do all those wonderful things but you get the whole house yeah. you know you're not staying in a suite somewhere this yeah. is your house when you rent it mm -hmm. well and how many how many bedrooms so how many people can stay there six people it has three bedrooms um there's one on the first floor and two upstairs there is a little bedroom off from one of the main bedrooms upstairs but we're not counting that as like a guest space unless a guest wants to use it for whatever reason so six people max, but you don't have to have six people to stay. You can great honeymoon place. Oh yeah, great honeymoon place, or you could just, you know take care. You could take care of business in three different rooms. Mm -hmm. or more. <laughs> I mean, why limit yourself to the bedroom? You know, you could just all over the house. Mm -hmm. Or you know, there's the option of if you didn't want to stay overnight, but you wanted to maybe have a private dinner for six for you know, whatever reason, you could rent this. You also have the option of renting the space and then booking the caterer and just having the space for, you know, a, a little small gathering if you didn't want to go out to a restaurant or, you know, do something special for somebody. Boy, howdy. It is awesome that you've got a caterer that you're associated with because that's tough mm -hmm. to figure out, especially if you're coming from out of town. It's tough to figure mm -hmm. that out. Yeah. yeah, she's great. It's Catherine Elliott. Um, oh, sure. She's everywhere oh, yeah. lately. That's right. She's <laughs> <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> and we were like, are you sure you can do this? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> well, and, and you need somebody that you can trust because caters aren't all the same. And so, That's you know, true. you don't want just anybody coming in there and, you know, dinging the door jams and stuff yep. you want somebody that's going to do it well so yeah. well, I just I love that all right so that's Pleasant Hill all right did you have did you, say you had another guest house we have another guest suite it's inside of um the house that we currently live in okay um so the house that we currently lived in live in was um built in 1904 and it's just across the street from Pleasant Hill ironically everything's downtown Handy. so rhythm rhythm and roots will be big so Roseman's room is just a um two guest suite they have their private bathroom, bedroom, um, sitting room, small kitchenette, and then a balcony that overlooks <clears throat> downtown Bristol. That was a, a thing where we, 
we just moved into our house and we had all this space. There was just this one space that was used as an apartment and we didn't know what to do with it. And I looked at Daniel and I said, why don't we try Airbnb? And this was back in 2018. And he goes, no, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, let's just, let's just see how it goes. <laughs> I mean, we can make our house payment and make the house pay for itself. And so far it has. Um, oh, wow, that's fantastic. We st- yeah. But we-, we don't, you know, we don't just have, um, we've actually closed. We had two more Airbnbs mm-hmm. and we closed those because, um, <laughs> There were so many Airbnbs popping up in Bristol, yeah. 180 last time we checked, mm-hmm. that there were, it was creating kind of a housing shortage. And so yeah. we, there were these desperate people trying to find places to live. So we shut them down and said, okay, well, here, we'll make long terms and, and create Aww. better situations for people. Um, at the time when we did it, you know, there was plenty of rental property mm-hmm. and then it changed. Because mm-hmm. our mission, you know, it, we're not a nonprofit, but we definitely have a mission. Our mission is to be able to walk around town with our five-year-old and not be afraid. Exactly. And you can't do that everywhere right now. It's sort of, it's a multifaceted idea where uh, we're preserving properties, mm-hmm. we're restoring properties, and we're ending housing blight, you know, mm-hmm. not blight of people, but these horrible derelict buildings that yeah. people break into and get hurt. Mm-hmm. And um, right now to, for lack of a better term, gain that control uh, over certain streets to change it for the better, we have to own them. Mm -hmm. And it may get to a point where we start selling some things so that there's just not rental property everywhere. But Mm -hmm. we're we're trying to, you know, not only change the city for the better, but make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. I've had bad landlord once, and I don't want to create that situation for someone. And we just try to be helpful and work with people and create really nice spaces. I mean, we have people come into our property sometimes and go, this is a rental property. You know? <laughs> so just, you know, we're not getting rich fast, but it's, it's bettering the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's the biggest deal. I want to remind everybody um, that we're speaking today with Daniel Shue and Monica Halsey Shue, um, Monica's class of 2007, and they are both realtors and as I like to say Bristol tycoons but that's not really that's not really fair because you're just you're too nice to be tycoons did you sort of intend this when you got started or did you suddenly go honey look we've got a bunch of houses not really um we we had uh, back in 2015 we actually had to downsize Um, we had this really nice um quaint Victorian in Abingdon and life hit us hard that year <laughs> and we downsized rented um our house to our first long-term tenant and moved to bristol into a house that was about a third of what we had what we had in Abingdon. it was a nice little quiet street lawrence avenue and right next door to us at least 10 feet beside us was this derelict house that had just been run down let to just decay over the years and I would wash dishes thinking, wouldn't that be a cute house to renovate if somebody would just, I don't know, paint it at least. <laughs> we, we knew that a, a, a little elderly lady lived there, but she, we never saw her. We knew that she was there because we would hear a radio and lights, on. and lights were on, but we never saw her. Um, we saw her once. once. Oh, she was so sweet. Oh, yeah. We learned from her family that she had passed away and they were getting ready to sell. And um, we also learned 
that six months prior to her passing? Oh, yeah, it, was, it was so sad. Yeah. She she was about 91 when she died. And this is the kind this is exactly the kind of situation we are trying to eliminate forever from Bristol. Mm-hmm. She rented that house for 30 years and the landlord never did anything. Mm-hmm. Her kitchen floor, I fell through it when we pulled the carpet back. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had paper towels stuffed in all the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, the electricity in the attic, there was one breaker going to the whole attic, mm-hmm. every light fixture. I mean, it was the saddest situation. At first, we were like, oh, we bought this cool house. We're sorry she's gone, but we're going to fix this house. And Monica went to work that day, and I went in there to start pulling paneling down. And I got on my hands and knees in the floor, and I cried for two hours over this woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that... It, it, it started out as a community effort of, well, we need to change this one house. It'll help our neighborhood. And mm-hmm. then it became, oh, my God, this is not a third world country. How are people living like this? Yeah. Oh and and there's landlords that are allowing it and taking their money. Mm-hmm. And it's it, that just was like this. As you can tell, I'm animated now. It's like this spark of no. this has got to stop. No, bless your heart for, for seeing that and for, for mm-hmm. doing something to change. If only that. we had known earlier too, we didn't know anything about her. Um, I mean, it was so sad. Oh gosh. Well, bless your heart. We like to think about the community first and think about, okay, we've got this property that doesn't make a good long-term rental because it's just too big. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we, we do have that. We've, we've found that perfect size that you know, it will make a good long-term rental. It's not too expensive, but it's not too small. Just there's this perfect little sweet spot that we found. It's about 12, anywhere between 1,200 to 1,500 square feet. feet. So we had this house that was about 3,000 square feet. It was a beautiful old house in a kind of a, you know, a transitional neighborhood as they call them. And we had it as a long-term rental, but it just wasn't there was something about it. It wasn't really helping out the streets. It was huge. It was, it was hard huge. to take care of. Yeah. And we, we decided that we were going to sell it, but we didn't want to sell it to someone who was going to split it up into apartments because yeah. parking was an issue, is, is an issue on the and street. And it was a beautiful house. It was a beautiful house. It really needed someone who would kind of love it like we do. Not do exactly the same thing that we do, but love it like we do. And make a no, I get house. it. Yeah. So we, we found a, we found a buyer for it and he and his, his partner are restoring it. And we're just, that's big enough for them. It's big it enough works. for them. So they're it, helping the street and yeah. we help them and they're helping us. And it's all this big, um, our priest says, uh, he laughs and says, what we do is capitalism at its best, not worst. I'm <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'll take that. <laughs> no, you should take that because um, we see a lot of it at its worst. And so you should yeah. take that as a real compliment. How long has has this been a an actual business? A little over a year, actually. Yeah, so it's it's new. It, it grew organically. It grew organically into what it is today. It's, well, y'all are sort of cooking with gas. I mean, it's not like you've. Yeah. Had, you, <laughs> I mean, you're really well, getting it done. We just we we tell people um, that we move fast and that we don't we don't sit on the opportunity when it knocks on the door. We either go for it or we send it to somebody who will. The best story I have is when we moved to Johnson Street into what we thought at the moment was our dream house because we'd been watching this house for ever since we moved to Bristol. We would drive by on our way to church, think, oh, that house is beautiful. We could paint it and fix the porch and it's got wood interior inside. It's just perfect. So then 
we've moved into the house. We've got Roseman's room open and ready for guests to come in. And we had this outdoor cat that we named Mrs. Norris because she looked like Mrs. Norris off of Harry Potter. Well, she was a community cat. So she was Mrs. Norris at our house, but she was Charlotte two houses down the street. Well, she went missing. So Daniel we put up a Facebook page about how she was missing and um, how we weren't sure where she was. And by trying to find this cat, he not only thought he was exposed to rabies, but we met two wonderful people who said, well, we're getting ready to sell this place. Would you like to buy it? Yeah, we had to track down the people that lived there because the cat bit me. It turned out not to be the cat in the end. Mm -hmm. And then we met the people that owned the house. Then we dragged them in this with us and got them into (laughs) buying houses. And then Mm -hmm. we got another person into it. And it's like, it's become this sort of team effort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is is the cat on your logo? I'm just curious. (laughs) No, but maybe she should be. (laughs) I'm thinking she ought to be. Mm The, the cat's fine. She's um, she's living her best life. But through that process of going, oh my gosh, my husband's might have been exposed to rabies <laughs> from a random cat that we don't know. We bought what we call the double house, which is the oldest apartment complex in Bristol. Ironically, was built by the wife of James Wood to house oh. his law students. So there's all this nice. interconnected history that we're finding um, as we're, we're yeah, it's um, it's it's oh, it's become very spiritual to us, really, yeah. and we sort of get those signs from the other side because, and we also our plan is to move into the oldest house in Bristol, Virginia, the James King House, which we got from King College almost two years ago. We've been restoring it slowly because it doesn't make money. You know, that's <laughs> that's a no brainer. Yeah. But um, we found out that. The Wood family was kin to the Mitchells that that last lived there, and that there is just like this web that now we're called in. Mm-hmm. So, dish on history for just a second, because who doesn't love a little bit of history? James Wood, he was from Scott County. Yes. Mm-hmm. How did he end up in Bristol? Okay. I, I don't. I'm not sure. He was an attorney, though, and of course, you know, Bristol was this booming train town in 1872 so my assumption is that people were coming in from all over Mm -hmm. okay i have another history question and i don't know why i've never thought to ask anybody this because i've always been curious why is it called solar hill oh that's that's kind of a magical story too just before or at the beginning of the civil war there was a solar eclipse that was supposed to happen where it looked like beads around the sun when the moon covered it and the only place in town apparently that they could view it was at the highest point on on this hill and so they did and it went well so they built an observatory up there and yeah so and then so that became solar street our friend susan lives in the house that is where the observatory used to be they tore it down in like 1910 and but the cool thing is about solar hill is you got all these cool old houses but You've got an observatory built where they saw this, I think it was every 800 years or something, mm-hmm. the solar eclipse happens. And then you've got the oldest house in Bristol that's 200 years old, just a few feet from that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Episcopal Church a mm-hmm. few feet from that. And then there's the old Masonic Lodge. So we're going, you know, there's like this vibe on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now, speaking of vibes, all those old houses, you can't tell me you, you're not a little haunted somewhere. We get it from time to time. We call it character. We know a lot about the house, a lot about the house that we currently live in because 
one day I was, I was folding laundry and I look out the window and there's this woman just standing in on our sidewalk. Turns out she was the granddaughter of the gentleman that owned the house in the fifties and he ran a boarding house. So he had boarders that lived in the first floor and second floor of the house and he lived in the basement and she told us all this strange they, history. They believe that he was actually murdered in our basement. Yeah. That, that's a long story, but we, they believe wow. that. Our house has a vibe, believe it or mm -hmm. not, the King house being 200 years old, it's kind of <laughs> dead, quote unquote. There's not a whole lot goes on there, but Pleasant Hill, on the other hand, as yeah. lovely as that sounds, we had some pretty weird stuff happen mm -hmm. here. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, I want to hear a ghost story. So Daniel and our um, our maintenance guy, um, Mike DiPaolo, they were restoring the um, mantle in the dining room. Uh -huh. And in order to open up the fireplace and restore the mantle, they had to take the mantle off the wall and make sure that it was re-secured securely. In doing that, they found this tiny little tintype, about maybe two by one and a half inch tintype of this little boy, which they found out was Vernon. Most likely. Most yeah. likely Vernon. James Wood's son, Vernon. And he, he passed away by drowning at the age of nine. Twelve. Twelve. We were over here with our son and Daniel and I were talking about the color and what we should do about the border and just, you know, various things that you talk about while restoring a house. And we look around and Rory is sitting on the front, the, the stairway, just sobbing. And we're like, what is going on? So we finally got it out of him that he saw a little boy at the top of the stairs that scared him. And he would not come back to Pleasant Hill after that. And we also, at, after that, see, Bud Phillips told many people that there were no ghosts in this house, but apparently we disrupted something. And then after that, the lights in that room would flicker. Mike heard a little boy crying up front. And there was all these strange things that happened for about two or three weeks, and then it just stopped. So we blew that little tintype up into a large portrait and hung it and gave him a place of honor. And he seems oh. to be content with that. Well, maybe that's what he needed then, was just to be remembered. I love that you uh -huh. did that. Well, we're actually running out of time, but I just wanted, I, I couldn't end without a ghost story because <laughs> there's bound to be one. All right, so if folks... If folks want to come um, check out your your places, or maybe they want to try to stay at Pleasant Hill, um, mm -hmm. how would they? They could find it on Airbnb, VRBO, and what was the other one? Booking. Or the, we're going to be on Booking soon, or they can just go to our Facebook. The page Facebook page is and, easy. It's Historic Pleasant Hill, Bristol, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then just give us a call, and we'll we'll set them up with a stay. I think it sounds great. And I hope that maybe, maybe, maybe this summer, um, you know, we have this summer alumni college and uh, maybe we can come take, check out some of your places oh, and look around a little cool. bit. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. Maybe we'll look at the sun while we're there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. Our guests again today have been Daniel Shue and Monica Halsey Shue, class of 2007. They are Shoe Property Holdings. They're doing some exciting things in Bristol. Um, giving old homes new life. And, and I love that you have your community's best interest at heart. And so thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Sure. And I want to thank everybody for being with us today on WEHC 90.7 and WISE FM WISE 90.5.